0: Blog Talk Radio Radio special broadcast here on Sunday afternoon. The college football selection show is underway, and Mike Gardner and Ben Florence are going to bring you all the analysis live until the four teams are picked. Beef we're back as first time in as many days for a very special inaugural college football selection show special. Can you feel it?
1: You know, uh, not only can I feel it, this is, I think, nobody uh, in America, probably not even the the committee themselves, has any idea how this is going to work. Nobody knows what the criteria is. It's going to be a complete, uh, just total shenanigans. Nobody knows how this is going to go down, and that's what's going to make it even more exciting. And for fans of the teams involved, and particularly teams that don't know if they're going to get in, gut-wrenching indeed.
0: We had conference championships uh, Friday and last night kicking off after our show on Friday the Oregon Ducks winning the Pac-12 championship in dramatic fashion. By dramatic fashion, I mean a 40-point blowout against the Arizona Wildcats. And then it seemed like that was the tip of the iceberg and everything just snowballed for the rest of the weekend, whereas we saw teams that when going into the weekend were on the bubble, and then all of a sudden the teams that definitely flexed their muscles made absolute insane cases of why they should be in the college football playoff, but flew out of all the conference championship games we saw. Which one was probably the most convincing uh, in your mind?
1: I think without question it had to be uh, Ohio State last night against Wisconsin. I picked Wisconsin to win. They had a third uh, – Ohio State was starting a third-string quarterback. And they go out and they they <laughs> – they defeat Wisconsin by 59 points. It was a 59-nothing drubbing. It was the worst loss of any team ever in the history of the AP Top 15. Wisconsin was, I believe, 13. It was just a complete and utter annihilation last night in Indianapolis. And I think that win is going to – before last night, even if Ohio State won, I was thinking that they wouldn't get in provided TCU win. And then Baylor win, which they both did. TCU crush uh, Iowa State, and Baylor took care of Kansas State. But now with Ohio State demolishing Wisconsin the way they did, uh, I think it's very much a toss up as to who I can see it being TCU, you can see being Ohio State now. Uh, I can still see Baylor getting in the mix. Who who knows at this point?
0: Yeah, do you think Ohio State will jump? That's the big. That's the big thing that is blowing up on Twitter. Of course, fans we want to remind you that you can call in live to the show six four six five nine five three one three seven. Even after the four teams are selected to vent, while your team should have gotten in, but Ohio State made a very big case to to get in with a win, and now all of a sudden they're saying, "Well, Ohio State could jump the Big Twelve teams because they're, they're co-champions." Yeah, you know, it's very very, thing, very awkward you know, situation.
1: Yeah, you know the co-champion thing was interesting because uh, Dan Wetzel wrote about it in Yahoo Sports uh, early this morning about how there was a showdown between Art Briles and Big Twelve Conference uh, Commissioner, and apparently it was uh, nobody really knows what the content of it was, but it likely was how the Big Twelve, which has for a couple years now been promoting the one true champion moniker, Baylor should be the champion. Everybody knows that because when you look at the first tiebreaker, because they are both tied in conference, the tiebreaker is head-to-head. The last time I checked, Baylor beat TCU head-to-head 61-58, to perhaps the best game of the season. So everybody knows that the real champion is Baylor, but the Big 12, I guess, because they want to see a team period in the playoff doing the whole co-champion thing, it's completely ridiculous. Baylor should be that. And I think that that fact re- could pro- is probably why I would be surprised if Baylor ultimately were to get in.
0: Of course, I said yesterday because all four teams won; those four teams are going to get in. Which, hmm. which the original thing, and I noticed this last night when they showed the final rankings after the Kansas State Baylor game. Yeah. TCU at three. That is what shot the uh, the selection committee in the foot. Because as soon as you put the Horned Frogs ahead of Florida State, then, and Florida State won. They have very slim margins to a good Georgia Tech team. But because they won, you, the commit it's the committee basically is in deep trouble because they can't, if they, they can't uh-huh. demo TTU, especially after, what was that, 55 13 win, or
1: just yeah. slacking
0: against Iowa State,
1: mm-hmm. now that team and, can't
0: go. Back. Yeah that team get demoted.
1: Yeah, and, well, actually, the real thing in the first place that shot them in the foot without question was them doing rankings and, and, and it, for any point. Because yeah. as everybody realized, if they're going to redo the rankings now every week, then what's the point of doing rankings? If it's supposed to show the four best teams at that point, there's no point in doing it before now. And so now that puts TC, the, the whole thing, TC in the blinds. If Wisconsin, if, well now Wisconsin, if Ohio State jumps TCU, who was three, and if they and TCU doesn't get in, what's the point of ranking them third last week? If I mean yes, they can't predict the future, but that's why you don't do rankings. I mean it's it's ludicrous. So now TCU, which the, the only thing they can handle was taking care of Iowa State yesterday. They did that. They won by fifty. Yes, it wasn't a big of a margin, and it was certainly against a lesser team that Ohio State did against, uh, against Wisconsin. But I've never seen a team demoted for winning by 50. Now the thing is interesting. I don't see this happening. But if they had Florida State at four, couldn't there be a scenario where Ohio State jumps Florida State and an undefeated Florida State team does not get in? I can't see that happening. I think that would be incredibly just idiotic and ridiculous to have not only the defending chance but an undefeated group of five teams not in. But
0: right. I
1: can't I can't rule it out at this point. That's the ridiculous thing about all.
0: Well they just got finished showing the 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 resumes of Baylor TCU and Ohio State. And Ohio State has a higher I believe R O I guess R P I in terms of the numbers, of strength of schedule, and everything, because if you look at and TCU, TCU's only loss is to Baylor. Baylor's only loss was to West Virginia. But then you had the the debate of the Big Twelve teams with TCU beating Minnesota and then Baylor beating Buffalo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's and so we're still continuing to wait as the selection committee is hard at work, just miles away from my house. And I think that in itself would be sort of poetic justice if no team from the Big 12 gets into the inaugural playoff in which the selection committee is literally across the highway from the Big 12 (laughs) headquarters. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and what's crazy is about it is that if we're going to go into now, like it's the NCAA tournament, who's got the best win, the best loss, the best win... Even though Ohio State just drilled, even though their two best wins, they're both very impressive, both away from home. When they drilled Michigan State and Wisconsin, Baylor's got the best win because they beat TCU, but and Ohio State has the worst loss when they beat Virginia when they lost to the Virginia Tech by two touchdowns at home. But the thing is. How how are they factoring any of this in? That's the thing that that uh, I and others have been frustrated with. Nobody really knows what the criteria is here. They've not been clear. And since this is the first year, we can't go back and look at past history. And look at this. It's the first year, so nobody knows what's going to happen. When all this comes out, it's just going to be mayhem across the landscape of college football for the most part.
0: Yeah, and I think the way because of what, how they they did it, what what a selection committee should be, and this is what college basketball does very good with, is they leave the rankings the same. They don't touch anything until Selection Sunday. You know, they'll wait till the, the ACC and the Big Ten championship games are over. They'll wait for the like the Big West and all the small mid majors, because in the meantime you have your Joe Lenardis, you have your bracketology people that speculate where teams are gonna go in the tournament. Much much like that's what the mothership or Fox Sports or anyone else should be doing is just speculating. I think as like what you said, I'm gonna agree with you on this flow. As soon as the selection committee released that first poll back in like October it opened yep. a can of worm it opened a can of worms. Because now yep. you just it just makes teams micromanage everything until up to yesterday. Which I mean saw some we saw some great football. But it really messes with the psyche of a team when you think about it. Like Mississippi State and even Ole Miss, it messes up. That completely messes up your psyche because those teams they still could have done, won out and made the SEC championship game against Mizzou. Yet with, with all these constant losses, you're just hit with the constant wave of oh, because you have two losses, you won't make the playoff. And then the rankings are saying, well, okay, exactly, you won't make the playoff and that's what happened in the Big 12 as well. Because as soon as Oklahoma lost to K-State and TCU, I think in in as many as in two or three weekends, they said, "Yeah, we're done." And so you have a very small handful that still actually try to to make it, but then you have the rest sort of scrambling. At least in college mm-hmm. basketball, they they have bad wins, good wins. As we take a look at the playoff rankings, Alabama is going to Nolens. As we're looking at uh, Saban in the sweater vest.
1: Uh, we're watching it because we're watching on the web, watch ESPN app, so we're on a little bit of a delay here. So I haven't seen anything yet. You're actually a little bit in the future. Let me try and boot this back
0: up. Well, they announced, they officially announced Alabama as the one seed and playing in the Sugar Bowl. Surprising nobody. Exactly. At least your boy Jeff got to see a good football team yesterday.
1: Yeah, that's right. He was on the call uh, for uh, the uh, student radio station. He was way up in the rafters in, like, the yeah. coaching room or something ridiculous. I mean, nobody should be surprised Alabama with the very impressive win. But that was an interesting game yesterday. Wow, that sweater, David. It really is fantastic. (laughs) But that really was a a wild game to watch because there were times where Mizzou were in the mix and Matty Malk, which is Gary Danison described as Manzielas, he was just running around throwing up bombs, but they were making catches. But ultimately, Alabama was way too powerful and dominated them the rest of the way. But nobody should be surprised by this. Nobody should be surprised by the top two. I'm going under the assumption Oregon will be next in the Rose Bowl, Alabama, the Sugar Bowl, which obviously makes sense. But, so, yep, there it is, Oregon Oregon number two, and they'll be hosting somebody in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day.
0: Which they officially announced. Number three is Florida State. Jameis Winston returns to the Rose Bowl to face the quack attack.
1: Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun game to watch because we all know the thing with Florida State, their defense has been inconsistent. They they struggle to stop Jordan for much of the night. But, you know, James Winston, you've got the Moxie to get it in, so um and the score uh, lead wins every week. So that's gonna be one to watch.
0: And so Alabama one, Oregon two, Florida State three. We're just now waiting with bated breath for the number four team and the first two out. That and they officially announced that the Ohio State is going to be number four, taking on Bama.
1: There it is. There it is. Ohio State is in the <laughs>
0: playoffs. No, no Big Twelve team, after oh. all. You know what? It, you know what? That's it's it's funny. So Alabama takes on the Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl, Oregon, Florida State in the Rose Bowl because of Ohio is it because it's simply because of of the Ohio State's dominating performance against Wisconsin or do you think other little factors as the first two out are respectively Baylor and TCU?
1: You know, I think that ultimately the the Ohio State how they won yesterday, how dominant they were with the third string quarterback because they had they had to the factor that if they like won like a if they had not been that impressive they you know squeaked out a win against Wisconsin that that would not have propelled them and the way that they, they won by over sixteen points last night in Indianapolis was I had to was clearly the reason why they jumped TCU and got in now it's. It's going to be <laughs> – the, the reactions from uh, the TCU folks and the folks down in Waco could be interesting because now – because as you said, and that's what we were talking about, TCU and the Regions last week third. Not only yep. did they fall out, the, the, the ridiculous thing is that they fell out, but they got jumped by Florida State. But Florida State probably should have been ahead of them the whole time. TCU lost by 50, and <laughs> or they won by 50, and they, they dropped two spots, and they're now not even in the playoffs at all. I'm not surprised that, in a nutshell, in a vacuum, that Ohio State is in because of how they won yesterday. But it's still surprising that, as I just said, the thir- team that last week was ranked 1 by 50, did everything they had to do, and they did not get in. And then Baylor, who, the true champion, no matter what they say, won the Big 12. that... So, uh, you know, as as we were saying before, this proves that they don't need to do rankings at all, and they just go on and go out about their way. So, yeah, there it is.
0: So, once again, Alabama is number one, taking on number four, Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, and the Rose Bowl will be number two, Oregon, against number three, Florida State. Once again, here on Fanatic Radio, Mike Gardner, Ben Florence, breaking down the playoff selection. How the committee is a farce, and now, text, as I saw, in, uh, looking at the uh, Twitter reaction, we're seeing some great tweets. As uh, one man, one fan commented, uh, "Texas will secede after this." And now, I guess a, yeah. a lot of people are wanting to uh, to get the uh, the ESPN interview with Art Briles.
1: Yeah, that will be. That's gonna be wild.
0: So now we get it. Now we get a great matchup of Saban against the, the Urban Meyer. Is it, that, yeah. that and so? And that's one thing that you have to put into effect. And I definitely want to get your take on this flow. Do you think the selection committee deciding this sort of push towards the the side of of good ratings and and great storylines of an Ohio, of an Ohio State third string quarterback? playing in the you – know, Urban Meyer returns back to the Sugar Sugar Bowl in the Superdome against Alabama and SEC country. Do you think that – is that more of an intriguing matchup for the fans and, more importantly, the networks than opposing – than, I guess, a uh, uh, Alabama-Baylor game?
1: Uh, I, I, I think so. I think that, uh, well, obviously, as Richard Deitch tweeted, ESPN loves the, both of these matchups but they certainly love this Alabama-Ohio State showdown. But I think that's a little more intriguing now. Cardale Jones, the third-string quarterback, against Alabama. Now, TCU, Baylor, both great teams. Both would have been tremendous games against, uh, 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 against Alabama. But the way Ohio State, after they dominated the Big Ten, how they've had gone all year, they had the backup quarterback, T.J. Barrett or J.T. Barrett, who was fantastic. Now they had the third-string quarterback who was spectacular last night against Wisconsin and Cardale Jones. I think how they go against the team that everyone believes still is right now, the best team in the country, that's going to
0: be a game to watch. Exactly. Seeing more uh, Twitter reactions. An Arizona Wildcat fan saying, Troubling to see AP voters punish 10-win division champ and reward teams that didn't play in conference championships shouldn't be that way. No idea who he's talking about yeah, got, uh, Jordan- I, that makes no sense yeah, I feel I feel bad for the uh, the t c u fans though going from third to sixth in the poll. They actually dropped last night in the uh, the a p poll as well
1: I mean you know they they get they won by fifty i mean can can you really punish them for uh beating Iowa state who is terrible? But beating them by fifty can you really punish them for that? So that's why the whole thing is just—it's a mess. It's,
0: here's another. Here's mess. another. Here's another great one from the uh, from the Twitter from the Twitter sphere. She's, uh, we're using the hashtag. We're borrowing the hashtag a p c f t We got a uh, NM NM Horowitz saying, "I guess the guy in charge of distributing space shuttles has moved jobs to the NCAA." <laughs> oh
1: my gosh.
0: So we just see, we we just we just see the hate flow in, and as we quickly as we have a quick search to uh, to Baylor, the fan, even the great Gus Johnson tweets honestly I agree with the playoffs Baylor's schedule was too weak and TCU was out because they lost to Baylor. Huh. And that's we're seeing, that? we're seeing we're seeing others saying uh, the Mountaineers beat Baylor convincingly. And led TCU for 59 minutes and 57 seconds. That's right, because TCU barely squeaked by West Virginia, a game-winning field goal. So, what happens if you're the Big 12 flow? Are you now going to try to be pressured to add two more teams so you can get a conference championship?
1: Well, I mean, it's possible. It's 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 hard. It's it really is hard to say because you really can't just go out of go out of the add two teams, and then next year have the conference championship. This would be something that would be like at least a couple of years down the line. But I really don't think that the answer for them is to have, uh, you know, just adding two teams just for the heck of it and having the conference championship again. I think this was more of a situation where they had the the situation where the, the committee – for all year law lo- appeared to love TCU even though Baylor <laughs> beat them. So I think the conference tried to have it the best of both worlds and say these teams are going to be tied even though Baylor won, we'll have the uh the the co champions solely that for the uh to, to try to get a team in. Because I think that they felt that TCU if they went about saying Baylor was the ten, uh the champion that wouldn't hurt. I think ultimately the fact that TQ really wasn't the true champion again. We all know that it's it's painfully obvious. But the fact that they that that happened that they ultimately dropped from three to six that may uh, signify how
0: not actually
1: winning a champion meaning means. But again, why do they make this do this ranking now? I mean, if they felt this way that ultimately if both teams went out. Why would Baylor not be ahead of G C? <laughs> ultimately in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter what what their final rankings are beyond the top four. Nobody cares. Nobody cares they're gonna care who's seventh who not. But ultimately probably nobody's gonna care as much who's in the other selection committee bowls because they're not just doing the matches, as I told you yesterday, uh, for the uh the college football playoffs doing it for the Peach Bowl, the Orange Bowl this year, the uh uh, the Cotton, Cotton Bowl, bowl and uh um, and, every, and
0: everyone's favorite, we're going fiesta bowl.
1: Yes, that's right, the fiesta bowl so those four games
0: were are also being decided by the committee.
1: Nobody obviously but the thing is every uh, gonna talk about is the is uh the the top four. But now I think the question is down the line with and probably more like when will they expand this playoff if they choose to expand it, which I think a lot of people think they, they may will down the line.
0: To eight teams?
1: A, 18, I think eight teams would be the logical next step. I, I think six would be awkward. They wouldn't want teams having buys. Right. But I think somewhere down the line they're going to look at it where you have more than four teams. I don't agree with expanding. I think if it's going to be four, it should be four. Because if you have four, if you have teams that get in, that's one thing. You would rather have – I feel like you'd rather have all four teams in that can play for a title than have, like, six teams that are really championship teams and then a couple of teams also in. Of course, my theory from the Gitco was to have a 16-team playoff to have every conference champion in and then have some at-large big chosen by a committee of sorts. Because I think that would have helped save some of the smaller conferences. That are just completely falling apart, but I think ultimately, I think down the line, it's going. They're going to expand it. The, there's going to be the outcry with the four. People are going to want it. Move push to eight. They push it to eight. so they can add more games, get more money, and then sooner down the line, they'll be like, "We need more teams." So <laughs> that's, we saw that with the NCAA tournament too, when they 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 almost expanded to ninety six. So
0: yeah, you know,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: A right, interesting tweet by uh, Eric Goodman with the uh, with Mile High Sports Radio in Denver. He was saying that uh, feeling he has a feeling that Ohio State would have beat Wisconsin by seven, we'd be talking about Baylor in the playoffs. Did the selection committee go against their word and not take a look at the full-body schedule of wins and solely base Ohio State's win last night against Wisconsin is the reason why they're in?
1: Uh, I think that that's that's kind of a fair point, but you know, you look at their their slate. They have more of the, the, the top fifty wins than the yep. other guys. Yeah, you know, when you you think about using that, there really is just like the NCAA tournament now. You know, top fifty, top forty, RPI, all that. But you, and that, and not only that, their two best wins were against at Michigan State. Michigan State was favorite at Michigan State, and then they went. Uh, to the neutral site and demolish Wisconsin. I think those two best wins are better than the two best. I think also potentially Oklahoma losing because they were one of the better teams. They were still ranked getting upset yesterday in Bedlam. Uh, I think that could also possibly have hurt the Big 12 a little bit, those teams as well. But also it's the crazy thing of you also can't ignore the fact that yes, there was just their, 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 you know, the freshman quarterback in the second start but there's Ohio State. Team, they still lost to Virginia Tech by two touchdowns at home, and what was by far the worst uh, loss of any team in the top 10. And, and the only thing that's worse than it when Missouri somehow lost to Indiana at home. But you know, it's it's an interesting debate, and the and I think the problem with the committee is that they brought so many issues along themselves because they weren't. Uh, transparent over what they were valuing. They were just going off of the whole thing where the best four teams, but they didn't identify what they constituted as the best four teams. So, you know, they ultimately this was always going to have controversy. The BCS always had controversy. This is certainly a better system. It's just they still have to work out the kinks. But maybe considering it is the first year nobody knew what to expect, that's to be expected.
0: Exactly. So once again, Sugar Bowl one versus four. One is Alabama, four is Ohio State. Two, Rose Bowl two Oregon, three Florida State. This is sort of a trap game for Florida State. Consider, or I guess Oregon, because Florida. Everyone's thinking, oh, Florida State is is an easy team to beat. Yet, mm-hmm. from what we see, Jimbo Fisher could cook something up and just completely take the the Ducks by surprise. Florida State has is Florida State. Are we not giving them enough credit? and a chance for them to repeat as national champions?
1: I think it's somewhere between uh, they're getting too much hate and then somewhere between they're getting deserved hate. Because, uh, I mean, let's be fair. Virtually every game for them this year, they've been in it. They, You know, look at last week. I mean, Georgia Tech's a very good team. But you look like Florida. Florida wasn't any good this year. You know, Florida State had to pull away late. They had to do this virtually every week. So I think that, and that's why ultimately the committee was devaluing them. Ultimately, if they started out at four and then they moved ultimately to uh, start out at two and ultimately fell back to four, even though know, they were undefeated. But I think everyone is also underestimating them because, you know, they have continued to win. It's going to be an interesting showdown because uh, Oregon has been tremendous. They totally blitzed. An Arizona team that I thought was going to give them a heck of a game on on Friday night and the Pac-12 championship game. And Oregon has been playing fantastic. Marcus Mariota is going to win the Heisman, but that's going to be an interesting showdown because, as I said earlier, Janice Winston and Florida State they've shown a ton of moxie. It, you know, if the ball got, went a couple of different, moved a, different, a couple of ways. This year, they could have had a couple of losses, a few losses, considering all these games were tight. But they were able to get the ball to go their way every single time. Yes, that's luck. You need luck to always be on your side, but you can't ignore that and Just and just be like, well, they you know, they won all these tight games. It takes a lot to if you're in tight games every week to win.
0: Good teams always. The old saying: good teams find a way to win.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, we'll, we'll take a quick we'll take a quick break, and we come back. Uh, hopefully we'll take your calls and uh, other shenanigans. Is the top f- uh, final the playoffs selection committee has officially decided who is going to compete for the first ever college football playoff and win the national championship? Once again, you're listening to Fanatic Radio's College Football Selection Show here on Blog Talk Radio. It's,
1: it's Fanatic Radio. Get ready to break the pain. It's the reason you. Wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio
0: on Blog Talk Radio.
1: Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like
0: hot dogs and Cadillacs.
1: With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports.
0: He should just retire so he could dip him in bronze
1: and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is most talented R and And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success,
0: escalator style. Yes.
1: yes. See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio. Even with the way they're playing, we could go undefeated. The reason you wake up on game day and put on
0: your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on. Lock Talk Radio. And of course, we are back here. My gardener, Ben Florence. Fanatic Radio's college football selection show extravaganza. The phone lines are open six four six five nine five three one three seven. Reminding you that college football is a. It's still going, on, or it's still going on. So uh, the NFL season can, I guess, wait for just a few more <laughs> minutes. But as, uh, as we saw in the, uh, the the first part of the show, the selection committee basically shot themselves in the foot by releasing it too early. And then once, it, and then then then, then solely, uh, of course, speculation and rumors, are, and the uh, everyone is saying that they solely based it on the championship games. Mm -hmm. And so thus we saw the Sugar Bowl with number one, Alabama taking on number four, Ohio State. And then the Rose Bowl, the other side of the playoff, number two, Oregon, and number three, Florida State. And Baylor and TCU are out, and most likely, I'm assuming that Baylor will probably be playing in the Cotton Bowl. So Texas, so people and fans of Texas are both respecting schools. Do not fear. While you will not be competing for a national championship, you will get a chance. Pack Jerry World, one of the two yeah. teams in the Cotton Bowl. Interesting tweets as we're using the borrowing the uh, blowing up the Twitter sphere. ESPN college football insider Brett McMurphy tweeted: If Baylor at TCU jersey said Texas or Oklahoma, wouldn't have been left out. Flo, do you believe the uh, this rumor that the small school bias was Sort of the uh, the Achilles heel as to why Baylor and TCU did not make the Final Four.
1: You know, uh, you know, one of my roommates was actually was a diehard uh, Ohio State fan. Thank God he's not here at the moment. But you know, it's it's something I I don't know if I really buy that because I don't think I you know the the big school small school bias. I mean, these are two schools. it's Not like you know we're we're talking like uh, Boise State winning the Mountain West or, you know, Marshall winning the Mac, or Concord USA, rather, but, or Northern Illinois winning the Mac. But the, we're talking about two teams that were the well, the, the, the silly co champion of the Big 12. So, and, and the big school, small school things, I don't necessarily buy as and as much as for this, because I think that th- this is different than what the BTS system used to be. when the BTS computers would basically decide only the champion the championship game and then the Bulls themselves would pick the matchups. And that's what you saw a lot of big school bias and all of that. But when they uh, the, because they would pick teeth. I don't see that happening as much. I think it's more a thing of the con- possibly the conference championship bias uh, bias toward almost toward what have you done for me lately and even though Chi you drilled Iowa State as we keep on beating that drum. The way that Ohio State won, I think, definitely stuck in the mind considering it just happened. If if Ohio State had drilled Wisconsin like three weeks ago, it certainly would not have had the same effect. So I think it's more of the fact that it's not only the conference championship, but they they were on one of the biggest stages this weekend, and they took care of business. And not only that, they completely annihilated the Badgers, so I think that's more of a thing than the whole big school, small school thing. So I don't necessarily agree
0: with that thesis. Which segues into a next topic. Uh senior college sports comments for Fox Sports, Stuart Mandel says Baylor finishing fifth sends a message to beef up non conference schedule. We know we did notice that when teams like Kansas State were taking on Auburn earlier in the season, Florida State played Oklahoma State. At Jerry World, the first thing of this first game of the season, if they if they don't go by the flow rule and expand to eight teams, is this does this truly send a message to the teams and the schools that want to play it safe and encourage them to sort of think outside the box or think outside the bun to play a tougher <laughs> opponents?
1: You know, I I think that that does that is going to play a factor in this. And it's almost like when we were talking about your SMU uh, Mustangs and how they missed the uh, the NCAA tournament because they didn't play anybody at a conference last year. But I think the case of this, I think that certainly matters. Of course, let's not go on and say, if it would have been TCU getting it, I mean, Ohio State didn't really play that many people in the non-conference. I mean, they played Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech was terrible. I mean, a lot of people thought the Navy game would have been interesting, but they pulled away late in that. So yeah, they they didn't, uh, you know, Baylor didn't play anybody, and I think that now and now you're starting to see more of that. Schools are now going to just basically you know, schedule within the FBS. I think, you, and you've had some conferences saying that we're no longer going to schedule FBS schools for those classic full fifty to nothing wins. The SCC places on like Western Carolina or Savannah State in November. So, and I think you're going to see more of that. But I think let's also not, you know, hurt the fact that Ohio again, Ohio State didn't play anybody, and they actually lost in the non They had a played a mediocre team that just bare that the thing with Virginia Tech, they just barely got to a bowl game, and they lost a couple weeks ago to Wake Forest, which is the first thing. They lost to them 6-3, to three, and they lost to them 6-3 to three in double overtime. So I think that that, uh, but I don't think they pe- they penalized them for that earlier, but they're not penalizing them for that now. But if you're going to go over the whole non-conference thing, you have to factor that in. So, I mean, TCU, their whole uh, thing was beating Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's a good team, but, you know, it's, it's not like they went out and scheduled a real big time, that, you know, like they were playing – the top of you know the, the group, the top five Power Five conferences. So I think that, but this is going to send a message: you have to schedule tougher opponents. And and I think for Baylor, I think that is part of what hurt them here. Yeah,
0: exactly. So uh, once again, so now uh, Nick Nick Saban and his beautiful uh, Ralph Lauren sweater vest is is on the camera. And poses a very interesting comment in which the mothership was at, and our boy Reese Davis asked him, you know, how do you prepare for this game against Ohio State? And he's saying it's not necessarily the tough thing of preparing for the New Year's Day Bowl, because a lot of these coaches have had experience playing in the New Year's Day Bowl. It's what's going to happen when preparing to play in Jerry World a couple of weeks later. Because back in the day of the national championship game, they had a month to prepare. And now... You still have about two week turnaround, but you got to get your team once again psychologically prepared. Out of the out of the teams that got in the flow, let me take a look at the grand scheme of college football, and we look mm-hmm. back at at, uh, at our original college football show we had the great Graham Burns on months ago. Yep. Who is the team that you were upset that did poorly this year and shot themselves in the foot to get into the college football playoff? Who is the biggest bust? In the flow sphere.
1: Well, I think that for me, by far the biggest bust was South Carolina. I picked on the upset Alabama and win the SEC. They go out, they get drilled the very first week. Only near days after I made that prediction, they only went like six and six this year. They're terrible this year. So I think that my my prediction of that was by far the most bust. They had way too much confidence in a South Carolina team. That really was not any good, but I had Alabama in the. I, well, I did have Alabama in the playoffs, but I figured about that they would lose twice, including the SEC championship. But I did have Oregon, and I did have Florida State, and uh, and I believe I think I also had Michigan State in after I put them in, and I was kind of disappointed because they of their loss to Ohio State, they got completely drilled at home. Their defense was and they, their offense couldn't get off the field. Their defense couldn't get off the field either, or well, the offense couldn't stay on the field. So I was kind of disappointed. And then down the stretch, they didn't play all that impressively either. So, But I think that the bus for me definitely has to be South Carolina. I mean, that was just an atrocious pick. And looking back every week, it just made it worse and worse, the fact that I picked them to win the SEC and to get to the playoff when they won six games.
0: To the point, to the point during this year, Steve Spurrier was just like, yeah, I, I, don't want to coach anymore. I'm tired.
1: Yeah. So, and then, and then you had all the rumors were could he possibly be the guy going to Florida? And then he ultimately shut them down. And, and I think you know when people were talking about that, the guy is 72 years old. So there's only, I mean, yeah, he's still the old ball coach. He's still great, but the team. And when you had teams that have been, you know, in the mix for SEC titles, you take a step back this year. But I think that uh, Spurrier, I think this is a season to where it may have taken maybe a year or so off the back end of uh, this coaching career. But, yeah, that really was just, looking back, just a really terrible pick. And usually I don't miss by that much. But that was just, I mean, it would have been bad if they won, like, four games. But... <laughs> But ultimately that was just looking back a terrible fix. But again, nobody really knew going in at the start of the season what they were gonna what was gonna matter for the committee. So all in all it was uh, uh we now know that it's a big part late in the year what you get. And that's kinda of way kinda of similar to the BCS. They would reward teams that were coming on and they would be okay if they had their loss earlier <laughs> in the year. But right, right. I still I still have faith in the 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 idea of a playoff. It's still better than what we used to have, but that doesn't make it perfect by any stretch.
0: Right, uh, a team a team that was the biggest bust for me, and we saw last night why was the Oklahoma Sooners. I think they they started off. I think they were as high as number four in the country going into their September 20th game against West Virginia, in which they won convincingly. So they had the Louisiana Tech-Tulsa, big game on primetime stage against Tennessee. Of course, Tennessee's not that good. But then when they beat West Virginia, they were as high as number four in the nation. And this team looked like, here's Bob Stoops, ready to get the wheels rolling. They enter, they started off Big 12 playing on the right foot. Trevor Knight's been looking great since his Sugar Bowl heroics. Samaje Ryan, a freshman, is looking strong as well. Good receiving core, and they get upset by TCU, and that's that's the turning point for me in the college football season. When TCU upset Oklahoma, that's when I was like, okay, Oklahoma really has to salvage themselves to to get back into the the playoff content, playoff contention. And that was when TCU just took off, but then Oklahoma just it they lost to every ranked opponent from here on from there on out. They mm-hmm. have lost pretty much an embarrassing home loss against Kane State. And I'm not going to knock K State because they're a very good team this year. Bill Snyder continues to amaze us. I don't know how, in his old age. Mm-hmm. But they lost, to, they lost to Kansas on a missed field goal and an awful pick six when Trevor Knight is trying to throw across the field on his own two-yard line. And so right there, there's huge point swings. And and they never could recover. They got killed by Baylor, and then last night's game was insane or bedlam, as we say, in which they just completely let Oklahoma State lay down and end up losing in overtime. I thought Oklahoma was the biggest disappointment because they had no defense, which is a, is a staple in in Bob Stoops' camp, and another team that obviously was struck by off the field issues that had their control of their destiny several times and failed was Georgia. They lost to South Carolina early. And that could have been their only loss for the rest of the year. They so they, they go out and they beat they beat Mizzou, the team that represented the other side of the SEC in the title game. But then they have that really bad loss against Florida and the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And at that point, it's like, if you lose to the Will Muschamp Florida team, then you are not a very good team. And then even with still capability of controlling their destiny, they lose to Georgia Tech at home in overtime on an awful pass by quarterback Mason. And when she threw it right through it in the tightest of spaces, he he looked like those kids at the Dr. Pepper contest throwing the balls at halftime. And first of all, I have beef. I have a bone to pick with that. They don't throw the ball. I'm seeing some kid. I saw some kid in the ACC game. He was just throwing it underhanded. I was like, this isn't rugby. So I thought Georgia was a, had a team that had many times to control their destiny. Of course, I think they would have gotten to the SEC title game had Todd Gurley not been suspended. But that's my take on it.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and actually, uh, you were talking about Oklahoma. I actually just took a look at I had Oklahoma in my college football playoffs instead of Michigan State, and I had them losing to Florida State uh, to win it all. So that just goes to show <laughs> that my predictions this year were, hey, at least I had I had Florida State and I had Oregon, but, you know, and then I also had Oklahoma and I had the, the ghastly pick of South Carolina. So, hey, batting five hundred, a very weak five budget. But 500
0: nonetheless. But we stick to our guns. Whatever happened to pride? Because the teams do have school pride, and so do we on Fnatic Radio. We definitely hold our heads high. And I guess we just we just, we are wait for the the other bowls, which we'll get to next Friday on Fanatic Radio. Flow, before we sign off for our special broadcast of the College Football Selection Show, what have we learned from this year in college football?
1: I think it goes to show that, you know, you have this playoff system and I think that we, we've we learned that, it's as, as I said earlier, it's going to be a case of what have you done for me lately. That's going, and you can't, you know, it's hard to ignore recent history when Ohio State goes out and beats somebody by 59 the night before. That's going to stick in your mind. You're not going to ignore what happened two months ago. I think now it continues to show that if you lose early in the year, that's okay, but it's good. you if you're going to make a case for doing the whole picture, you can't ignore what happened two months ago and just focus on what happened now, and then vice versa. you can't harp on what happened two months ago ultimately uh it was it was we there was, so much of this year was clouded in just uh questions. Because nobody really had any idea, well, how this was going to work out. And I think now that we've finally seen this put into practice, and the rankings actually, you know, for and the, not mean anything until the very end. That that going forward, we now have some semblance of idea. Not a, certainly not a whole picture, branding sure, but some semblance of an idea what it needs to be done to get to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, my my thing I've learned is 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 scheduling, scheduling, scheduling. Because non-conference mm-hmm. is the key. We see we're seeing it in college basketball. Yesterday we had a slate of fantastic non-conference games. We have all these tournaments in the garden. You we got we got the Qs playing Cal. We got Texas and Iowa. We had the 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 conference challenges. We had Duke, Wisconsin. Wisconsin played Marquette a few days later. We had Gonzaga, Arizona. And now apparently Arizona has to turn around and play Michigan. It's all about the non-conference because I think as long as the selection committee, and also the selection committee needs to change. They need to do it like the college basketball. They need to mm-hmm. keep the system, they need to keep the AP, the, 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 the Associated Press poll and the coaches poll whatever throughout the year and until this day, next year, that's when they release. Because at least when you do it, when the college basketball does it, teams are mad I think for about that hour, and then they're like, "Oh, we can play in the NIT." College football, though, you just drummed everything up. So then, game. So then, the game day yesterday at Baylor, it was. It was not about the game. It was. It wasn't about how Baylor was going to do against K State. It was, oh, we hate TCU, and we beat them. And that's when. That's not what it should be. It should be focused on the game at hand. So and Austin scheduling, it's interesting enough. Some of the notable non-conference schedules for Baylor next year: home games versus Lamar and Rice, and a tantalizing road game against Southern Methodist University. So Baylor yeah. continuing to shoot themselves in the foot. But you got to schedule hard opponents. And I think K-State did the smart thing with them, and I, I think I wanted them to beat Baylor yesterday because I thought that team deserved to go to a uh, a New Year's Day bowl game, but. I've learned, yeah. And the, the the system, it needs to change. But the question is, will it change the flow? Do, do the, does the selection committee and all the uh, the other talking heads enjoy this sort of chaos, or will they actually make a decision?
1: You know, I think that uh, as as you said, the I think that now going forward, teams are going to schedule. and We already, as I mentioned, you have some confidence that make deals with other conferences, uh, and you have conferences that are like, we're not going to uh, continue to schedule these FCS opponents, I think going forward you're going to see even more of that and that teams are going to be punished by not going out and testing themselves in the non-conference. But I think also in a case like Baylor, you're going to penalize them too much for what happened in non-conference. You almost ignore the fact that what they did in conference. And I think the the whole thing of the non-conference thing is that also the, the issue is that what if your great team, but what if like the, the Baylor was dominant in the Big 12, but you know, you look at Florida State and the ACC was substandard. If they hadn't lost at any point, they would not have gotten it. They, it was hairy for them. Doesn't get in, but I think you are going to see some changes going forward as teams realize what it takes to
0: get in. Right, and of course, that this has been our Fanatic Radio College Football Selection show. Alabama and Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl, Oregon, Florida State in the Rose Bowl and a great tweet. They think they should put TCU and Baylor in the Cotton Bowl to settle it once and for all. We would pay to see that. I but would. But once again, for, uh, you can check out BFlo360 the podcast on iTunes for this show and any other of the fanatic radio shows. We're back on Friday with more craziness in the world of sports, because we're not crazy. We're just fanatics. But you can check us out 4 to 5 on Friday afternoons, Blog Talk Radio from the Tories Ben Florence. I'm Mike Gardner. College Football Playoff Selection is out, and we'll see you next time.